0: Well, I want to say uh, for my part, welcome to everybody who's come tonight, uh, to the folks from this general area, members, of course, members of this congregation, and to those who have traveled a good distance to be here and hustled to do so. uh, Thank you all for coming. Uh, There are some folks here uh, tonight who sure meant a lot to me, and um, folks from Paris who were our brothers and sisters and co-workers for nine years while we were there, and And continue to be uh, our friends and a great blessing to our lives and it's sure good to see them. Uh, uh, Danny, Josh, you guys coming and what your work is and your life is and your influence on folks like me. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing. And Jim and Chris, so many others. Uh, Thank you all for your part in our lives and for your love for the Lord that brings you here tonight. The church at Nicholasville has invited me to come to talk about a specific subject uh, for these three days, and they want me to address the subject of worship. And uh, there are some who talk about a dynamic and a radical worship, and if it weren't for the context, I wouldn't be opposed to using those terms, uh, dynamic and radical worship, but I I know that it's used in a way uh, uh, that takes it far away from what the New Testament teaches. But uh, our, our effort to talk about worship has, uh, it, it brings us to an examination of our own spiritual condition. Because we, we have talked about what worship is, what Jesus said about it, and that it's being spirit and in truth. Uh, yesterday afternoon we talked about the place of emotion in worship. Tonight we're going to talk about praise. And tomorrow night, Lord, Lord willing, we'll talk about uh, uh, doing things God's way. And One thing that has emerged as I studied this and, and of course, presented these lessons is something that I hope has not become too repetitious. But so much of what we are really interested in or maybe feel like is lacking or want to give more attention to things like emotion and things are are, are, are byproducts. Worship itself is a byproduct, and that that is the word that seems best to fit as I study it. And that when you focus upon worship, or when you focus upon you know what your emotions are as you do all this, you're really going about it backwards. That these things, worship, is a byproduct of of people who are filled with God and awe and reverence and respect for Him, and out of a soul that can hardly contain our awareness of god and our love for him we pour forth what was what is from inside of us and we do it as god directs it and what he judges then to be the outcome of that he calls worship and it is in that way emotion becomes a part of this that yes this is an emotional thing because it is the most important thing we do and when we understand that and it is all things are in their proper place in our thinking, then the byproduct of the inside stuff being properly ordered is worship that is in spirit and truth and the kind of worshipers God is seeking. So um, byproduct is the, is the word that's helped us as we've, we've looked at the New Testament teaching on this. Tonight I want to talk about the subject of praise and, and praising God. And I'd like for you to open your Old Testament to Psalm 146, I'm sorry, 145, and we'll read from there in just a moment, Psalm 145. <clears throat> but let me, let me begin tonight by telling you something, uh, I, that this subject of praise is uh, not a subject that I have long been comfortable with. It's not a subject praising God, I'll just say it like this. praising God is a subject that I, that I have not long been comfortable with, and I know that uh, I am troubled by that. Uh, I know how that sounds, and i I'm, I'm saying it exactly the way it is and that, and the, and the problem that's come to Phil Morgan about this subject of praising God comes because first of all. What I know about God and what I know about what He has done makes Him worthy of praise. And you don't have to read very far in the Bible before you realize that God is worthy of praise. Those who, those who are His faithful people give abundant praise to Him. It is what is appropriate to our relationship to Him and He knows that. I know it too. I know it too. But the other side of this subject, and it's the problem side for me, is that most of my experience with this has been that praise has been sort of expected to show up on cue. At at a certain time, kind of in harmony with everybody else I'm sitting around, and it's supposed to kind of show up in a in a certain way it sort of sounds supposed to sound a certain way or it's supposed to manifest itself in a in a certain way for it to be real praise and or and maybe it's not that that's what real, people really think but that's kind of the way i feel about this subject and it feels contrived and and manipulated and and, and for me artificial And so here on the one hand is that I know that God's people are supposed to be praising him, but on the other hand, there is this feeling that an attempt to do so moves me along the line of some artificial manipulation of emotions or sounds or movements that qualify as praise to God and 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 everything within me moves against stuff that's artificial and not genuine. And so here I am stuck when it comes to this subject of praise. Well, I'm not stuck so much anymore. And and so that's what makes it this subject something that I hope I can get across in a way that is clear. You all may be way ahead of me, and you got you thought through all this and you're okay with this, and I hope you are. But if you, like me, would benefit from some help thinking through all of this, then it has been my hope and my prayer that, I, that we can talk together about this in a clear way, and, and that, that what we will end up with tonight is this, is this firm confidence that we can praise God and it be all together natural. It is a natural process. And I hope you can see how all all that works. Uh, Kim and I like uh, ice cream. And some of you here at Nicholasville have come to learn that already. We like ice cream. But let me tell you about Ivanhoe's. Ivanhoe's is located in Upland, Indiana. And it is worth the drive. It's about an hour north of Newcastle, so you can pick us up on your way. And when you go into Ivanhoe's, Upland's a little town near Taylor University, so it's a little bitty old town and a little bitty school and a little bitty place. But you walk in and on the wall is a list of 100 milkshake flavors. And next to it is a list of 100 Sunday flavors. And I can vouch for chocolate cherry, a chocolate cherry milkshake. It's about that big and about that big around. And the cherries in it, I'm not kidding, are that big around. And they're sweet and they taste so good. And then when they make, get, get finished making the milkshake, on top they have this big sliver of silky chocolate ice cream that sticks up on top of that milkshake. And it is good. And it's worth a drive to Upland, Indiana. Now, what you have just heard me do is to praise Ivanhoe's in Upland, Indiana. I could do the same thing about a number of other things, and I could praise I could offer praise to a number of other people. But the only reason that it justifies a minute or two talking about Ivanhoe's is is to is to say that praise is something that all of us are familiar with. Even if we have questions or concerns about just exactly what it means to praise God, I want to just start by talking about the bare uh, essentials of praise. And I want to say, and we'll talk more about this at the end of this lesson, I think there are some real hindrances to our ability to praise, whether it's praising people or praising God. There are some real hindrances that are sometimes a part of our character. They are mine, and they're a part of our culture. And we've got to be aware of them and, and overcome them. But how do you go about praising someone, or how did I go about praising Ivanhoe's? Well, the first thing I want to say about this is it really hard to praise something that you do not have personal experience with. And that that experience has to be good. I mean, it's going to have to move you in some way. Or if it's just the regular old stuff, I mean, if somebody asks you about it, you might be able to engage them in conversation. But if it is the regular old stuff, what they're going to get out of you is not going to be praise. In order for praise to come... You have to have some experience with something, that experience is good, and then some other things have to come into play. You have to be willing, you and I have to be willing, to give appropriate credit to that other someone or something that has had a beneficial effect on your life. And so, there is the experience, and that can be, that's very joyful And then there is the joy that comes with praising the source of that experience. And so, uh, what I've called this lesson, and and, and the way I'm trying to always look from now on about this subject of praise, is it is a gift from God. And, And praise is a gift given twice. First, there is the something good that comes from God and, and, the, and the joy of experiencing that. Wow. And then in order to praise, I've got to recall that. And that's fun. I mean, I enjoy talking to you all about Ivanhoe's. Kim and I, we've got, we, we got to get up there. Uh, we want to go back. There's joy in recalling this. And in, 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 as we praise God, this is the second gift that prayer is. First he gives it to us, and then he lets us recall it as we, as we say thanks and we uh, talk to him about his goodness and joy and kindness in extending it toward us. Like worship and like emotion, praise is another byproduct. It's what, it's what happens when we are willing to reflect and see our own our uh, inadequacy, our own emptiness, our own need. And then against that or toward that, God has poured out things like this. Things like hope, things like assurance, a peace that passes all understanding. In spite of all the stresses of life, He has made a place for us to live so that we don't have to worry. He gives us help in our time of need. He gives divine guidance through, this, uh, through the storms of life. And all things are going to work together for good. And so there is the, the providential care that God gives us. And, and, and so here into these lives, so much in need, God pours these kinds of blessings. And then we get to reflect upon them. And the byproduct of all of that is to offer to God our praise and devotion. You have, you have patiently endured me talking about Ivanhoe's. I, I'll not ever say any more about that tonight. But I do want now to look at some Bible examples of praise at work. And Psalm 145 is uh, the one I'd like for us to look at and read together. And I want to give you an assignment as you read that with me. I want you to be looking for how David was able to do this. I mean, what had to click inside of a person for them to be able to praise God? There are some things said here that will that'll answer questions like that. Be watching for them. So you'll, you'll hear, obviously, praise offered to God. The Holy Spirit's recording these magnificent expressions of praise. Watch also for how it comes about, because when we're all through here tonight, that's going to have to be what we take out of here. How, how do we become people who can do what we've read about tonight? Psalm 145 and verse number 1. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I meditate Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all. And his mercies are over all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your goodly ones and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men. Your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways, and kind in all His deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear the cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love Him. But all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless His holy name forever and ever. And then just uh, just continue, if you will, and let's look at Psalm one forty six. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord, O my soul! I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, in mortal men in whom there, there is no salvation. His spirit departs. He returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous." The Lord protects the strangers, he supports the fatherless and the widows, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Wow. Okay. There are uh, many, many examples of this kind of language and these kinds of thoughts expressed, of course, in the book of Psalms. Praise the Lord. how how does someone come to be able to do this? Because that's what I want to do. Nothing artificial, nothing phony, nothing put on, nothing on cue, but genuine praise to God. How How did David get there? Well, I want to take you back to one thing that jumps out in verse 5 of Psalm 145. On the gracious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. And what he meditated upon as you, as you look at Psalm 145 and 146 is virtually every aspect of the world that was around him. All the created world, the, the processes of life, He he meditated upon them and saw in them the presence, the work, the glory, the power, the majesty of God. So he meditated upon them and he saw in the things around him the fingerprints of God. God's there. This is evidence of his work and his majesty and his glory. And then he did a remarkable thing. He wrote these things down. And the Holy Spirit guided him and therefore our benefit. But... There is a a discipline about writing these things that is very helpful to the expression of praise. And maybe you have done this, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to write your own psalm of praise. Or if you want to make it a little bit tougher, make it an alphabetic psalm of praise. Write A, B, C down to Z on the side of your page, and beside each of those letters, write out a sentence that begins with that letter that offers praise to God in some way. You can't do that easily. It doesn't happen quickly. You have to think about it. And so David meditated and he considered the work around him. He considered the evidence in all of these things of God's work and the connection. He saw the majesty and the glory of God and the ways he benefited from all of that. And he put these these thoughts of praise down in writing. Now I'm sure there's a whole lot more here than what I have seen. But but that helps move in the direction of being able to duplicate this kind of appreciation and praise for God. The Psalms 120 to 134 uh, in the book of Psalms are the, song, the, the Psalms of Ascent. We talked a little bit about those uh, yesterday. And in order for the children of Israel to come to the temple... And be able to offer praise to God, there was a need to prepare for that. And these Psalms of Ascent were the psalms that were sung by families and groups of families as they migrated from where they lived toward Jerusalem, up the mountain to Jerusalem, and into the city to Mount Zion. And and you read these psalms, and I would like to read just one. It's very short, Psalm one thirty one, a song of ascent. And they would and just picture a family singing or chanting these psalms together as they prepare to offer praise to God at the temple. Psalm one thirty one says, "O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my Eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord for this time forth and forever. There are some really interesting things said in verse 1 of that, of, of that psalm. But again, there is the preparation for being able to praise. A reflection upon God and His greatness and His glory and one's need for God, how one needs to order their own life to be a holy person devoted to the Lord. And it is such a person who is then prepared... The the byproduct of such a God-focused, thoughtful life, full of meditation upon God, the byproduct of that is the ability to praise. And there's no shortcut to that. There's no cheap way to get that. You, you, You can't artificially gin up praise to God. It may People may think that's what you're doing. It may sound like that. It may pass as something that looks like it. But from God's point of view, there is no shortcut than to be filled people with these kinds of thoughts, with these kinds of meditations, and then you are ready from your own experience with God to be able to say to Him... Your words of thanks, your words of adoration to the one who has given these things, and the result is biblical praise. Praise for God comes about when I am filled with a joyful experience with the Lord. I am filled with a joyful experience with the Lord, and then I tell Him what that means to me. It's personal. And it's got to be reflective. And we live at a time when I think there are so many things that work against that. We're living in a time, for instance, when we live busy and harried lives, distracted by so many things and our lives are cluttered. And when we, we move from one responsibility, that one task that has to be taken care of, and we get it all done, and and we give very little reflection to it because our lives demand that we move on to the next thing. And so we we develop this cluttered mindset of dealing with the the important things and leaving the other things to go and, and moving on to the next thing with hardly a moment to reflect. Or in our... United States of America, proud of our independence, and our independence has created within almost all of us this pride in our own independence. Now we are people who want to be able to say that we have pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Thank you, and I'll be able to keep myself there. Thank you. That kind of mindset... However noble in some circles that might be, that mindset makes it very difficult to acknowledge that I am a recipient of the goodness and kindness of somebody else. That goes against this, I am my own man, I'm the master of my own destiny kind of thinking about life. Because praise requires that I acknowledge that I am grateful and dependent for the goodness that's come from God. And then getting a little closer to home. Where there is pride inside of a person, this arrogance, however well uh, disguised it is, again, works against and makes it very difficult to be a person who's able to praise somebody else. Maybe you've met people, maybe you are a person, and I've got my own experience with this. It's really hard to praise somebody else because you're afraid it's going to make you look bad. Hard to say something real good about these people because of what... And and, and the pride that ekes out of that is just awful. And And yet, there are things that make... This subject of praise is difficult. And it it is not just because it it sometimes seems artificial to me. It is because I have pride in my heart. And I want to be my own man. And I I have this independent drive in me that, that shuns from recognizing an indebtedness to somebody else. There is something in me that fights against that. And it affects my ability to reflect upon God and to praise Him like I should. And so in order to get where Psalm 145 is, in order to get where Psalm 146 is, in order to get where David was and God wants me to be, there are a lot of things that I've got to think through. A lot of things I've got to repent of. A lot of things I've got to work at. A lot of things I've got to stop. Got to slow down. I have got to take time to think about stuff. Where did this come from? How did this happen? What do I have how greatly am I blessed? I mean, you read these psalms, and you see David's thoughts are everywhere. And I must tell you, as I reflect on my thoughts, that's not how they are. And you listen to my prayers, or you listen to my private prayers, you, you'd hear me asking God 90% of the time for things. It moves in that direction, I'm sorry to say. And I hope that's, gonna, that's in the process of changing so this subject of praise I, I submit to you is, is fundamental to our relationship to God and it is difficult. And we must be absolutely uh, men and women, boys and girls of integrity, no put on, no show, no, nothing artificial about us. It must be natural. But when we are able to slow things down, and stop the clutter and stop the rush and lay our egos at the cross and beg that none of self and all of thee is what will finally prevail, then and only then are we able to reflect like we ought to and realize what abundant blessings God has given to us and be able to say to Him what it means to us. Then biblical praise has resulted. Let me say just real quickly before I stop that there are, I think, just, there are at least two benefits that come with being able to praise. It's, it's amazing that all of the things God asks us to do, they're not for Him. I and mean, Praising God is not an expression of an egotistical God who wants His creation to praise Him. The truth of the matter is, praise is a tremendous blessing that God has given us the opportunity to do it blesses us twice as i've said before and so let me let me just say that the opportunity to learn to praise god as we ought to brings into our life joy and fulfillment and satisfaction the book of ecclesiastes is a record or a journal of a man who is searching for a sense of fulfillment in the things of life, and it was a constant striving after the wind. There's nothing there. When we learn to praise God, we learn to acknowledge the real substance of life and, fa- and find the solid foundation for real joy, real fulfillment, and real satisfaction. Praising God, the two blessings the enjoyment of what He has given to us, and the privilege to recall it and to tell Him what that means to us. The second blessing that I submit comes with l- learning to praise God <laughs> is the help it gives us to overcoming sin. The help it gives us to overcoming sin. And I, I want to kind of preface did um, an that, that explanation of that. But taking you to passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 7, or in my notes, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 15 to 23. And those passages talk about the relationship between a husband and wife. And satisfaction with your spouse is one of the greatest deterrents uh, to adultery. You, you, you find joy and satisfaction and fulfillment with the one that you love. And that that relationship needs to be real, it needs to be vital, it needs to be alive, it needs to be nurtured and cared for. And and one of the great blessings of that is the protection against adultery. I think the same thing thing happens when praise lets lets us see this amazing relationship that we have with God. Who has given us what we do not deserve. He's given us more than we can hold. He's given us more than we can comprehend. And his fingerprints are everywhere. Whether it's acknowledging his wisdom or his power, his his eternal nature, his long-suffering toward us, his willingness to forgive, his patience with us when we are so slow to come around. I mean, however we look at it, we see God. And, And the ability to praise him lets us find security in this relationship with him. There is satisfaction in the Lord so that we are not pulled away by the attractions of the world. The world has nothing to offer that matches what God has done in in my life or what what this walk with God brings with it or where where it's taking us. There is just nothing like that here. And that helps to face and overcome the temptations that say, oh yes, there's something better. Try this. Come here. Listen to me. Do this. Uh, and so, uh, there, it, it is a, uh, a command. Uh, it is a uh, part of our relationship to God that just keeps giving and blessing us. We can't praise God as He commands us to do until we are awakened People. And I hope that's an okay word to use. We have to be awakened to God and what He has done. What in our experience with Him, what He has done. We have to be awakened to that and then be able to say to Him in our own words what that means to us. And the Bible word for that, is praise. And it comes about naturally. It will sound like Phil Morgan. And it will look like Phil Morgan. And it's not for show, nor is that true for you either. But it is rich and vital and it taps in to the most personal part of who we are. As we realize that not only are we in need of God, but we are so richly blessed and dependent upon Him. I had, uh, uh, earlier this year, I took a rock that I picked up. I think it was from Lake Superior. It's about that big. And I went up to Muncie, Indiana to a monument place. And I asked them if they would inscribe the word Ebenezer on that rock and they did, and if you know the story of Ebenezer, the children of Israel in the Old Testament had a stone that they they set down and it marked, and it reminded them that to this point God has gotten us God has gotten us this far and when the children of Israel would move they'd take that stone, and they'd carry it with them and then when they camped again, they'd set down that stone and that stone marked, God has gotten us thus far I wanted an Ebenezer stone I wanted a reminder that to this point in my life, God has gotten me this far. It's set right, I know it, I'm looking at it right now. And it is a reminder that not only has the God who has gotten me this far blessed me, but that's the same God that's going to take me home. And I need to know that and I need to be reminded of that. And it is in the context of that kind of dependence upon God that this subject of praise becomes easier. It becomes natural. I'm not afraid of it anymore. It's no, it's no longer uncomfortable to me. It's not something that's done on cue or in response to a particular sermon or a song or a prayer. It is the expression, it is to be the expression of someone who has experienced god and tries to say to him in the in the best words that he knows how what that means to him please be aware of all the challenges that face this subject it is hard to meditate it's hard not to be selfish It's hard not to get caught up in the clutter and the fast pace of this life, but there is too much at stake. We must be people who slow down and meditate and think about the fullness of God and His blessings toward us. What an amazing relationship. What an amazing privilege to be able to praise God. God has prepared for us, among all of His blessings, a way of salvation so that through the clouds of this life we can one day emerge and grasp His hand as He carries us from this life to the next. And that is a promise that God has given us that nobody can take away from us. They can do a lot of things to us, but nobody can take away that promise. It's a promise to those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ who have had their sins forgiven and who walk with the Lord and who live in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Tonight, as you examine yourself and your life, if you have not become a Christian in the way the Bible describes, if if your knowledge of Jesus has not led you then to repent of your sins and and turn away from them and to say with your mouth what you believe in your heart, if if your knowledge of Jesus and your love for Him has not led you to be baptized into Christ so that your sins could be washed away. What I've just described is the Bible plan for this this great beginning to salvation and we want to encourage you tonight. Please obey the Lord and come into His presence and His family. And if you've obeyed the Gospel at some time in the past and you've drifted away from being who you ought to be in some serious and prolonged way, please, please come home to the Lord and serve Him faithfully. Maybe that's something you can take care of privately. Maybe you want the help and prayers of other Christians. But if we can help you in any way leave, to leave tonight, and, and for all of us to be in fellowship with our Creator, let us know how we can help you while we stand to sing this invitation song.